Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest today is Abdi Electricité. Abdi is from Iran originally. I actually spent a few months in Iran myself back in the 70s, but that's another story. When I first uh, heard about Abdi a few years ago, in light of what he does, which we'll explain in a minute, I thought, hmm, he's somebody I'd kind of like to interview in person. But I didn't know quite how that was going to happen. Then it just sort of fell together, and here he is in my house. So I've been getting to do it in person, which sort of leads me to believe I should start buying lottery tickets or something. Abdiya, at an early age, realized that his realm of reality was beyond what he could share with others. As a child, his awareness of extraordinary abilities, such as putting light and sparkles on people, could only be rationalized as a dream. Did anybody ever joke around with you about Tinkerbell and Peter Pan and all that? Well, I didn't share it at the time, so nobody <laughs> joked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Tinkerbell used to do. When, 30 years later, he realized those sparkles were being received by the people, healing them physically, emotionally, and spiritually, he gave up his adapted reality to his childhood reality. In 2002, he began working around the world, anchoring light and spreading his wisdom. And it's funny because when I first heard your name, Electricité, I figured, all right, well, he kind of conveys some sort of electricity to people through this energy transmission, and so that must be his spiritual name. But that's really your name. That's correct. Many people assume that this is a stage name, but my grandfather had the same name. Is that a common name in Iran? No, my grandfather was the pioneer of electricity in Iran, so King Reza called him Mr. Electricity. Oh, okay. My name is Archer, so probably my ancestors were archers. That's how people got their names. So Abdi works with an ancient energy which dissipates our inabilities to relate to our self, higher self, and the universe. And when we say ancient energy, that kind of puts a, an age on it, like it's 10,000 years old or something. But is it really uh, an energy that has a, a starting point? Or are you talking about something more eternal? Well, actually, when uh, you go deep, there's no time anyways. Right. So it's more, uh, that is, I, I'm mentioning that way because it's, uh, it's an energy that it was unearthed for a while and not been utilized. And now it's back again. So it's more of a, it's not ancient like uh, is an old thing it's ancient in a pure at its original format hmm. so it was on earth for a while then it was unavailable then it came back again obviously there are certain kinds of energies that exist whether or not we're aware of them or whether or not we tap into them That's so for correct. instance nuclear energy been there ever since the beginning of the universe but only in the last few decades do we understand how to harness it in a certain way would this energy you're referring to be similar in that way? Every energy in a way is similar. But generally, I don't try to label anything. That's one of the reasons I use ancient, because a lot of people say, I don't know, my tribe energy, Christ energy, and so many labels. Yeah. So I just cover that label by something mysterious, which is not quite mystery, but it's many people think they got everything clear and classified the way they need to know. Mm -hmm. But it's not as simple as that. Actually, there's no s title of energies. It's just the way we relate to a part of energy, we classify that part only. So scientifically, uh, we can measure certain energies and we label them that way. Then the one we cannot measure, 
scientifically, we, you know, some spiritual people uh, name it a uh, different way, but they're all interrelated. They are not just one and separate from others. Right. So when we say you work with energy, because some people watching this will be familiar with what you do, but many won't. What you actually do in working with it is, would you say you channel it, transmit it, serve as a conduit? Again, is it, it's all of it, all of the above. I don't do really much with it. It just with me all the time. And that energy is with many, many people. It's not just me. Sure. I just know that I have it and kind of I, I use it. Yeah. Well, could we say this? Right now, you and I have radio waves passing through our bodies with all kinds of news shows and music shows and everything else, but we're not radios, so we don't hear the music or the news shows that these radio waves are transmitting. But if we were a radio or if we had one here and turned it on, we'd hear those things because that particular instrument is designed to pick up on those particular frequencies of the electromagnetic field and give us music. So would you say that this energy that we're talking about is something that is universal and all-pervading and, and everyone is, is ultimately pervaded by it or connected with it, but most people are not radios in the sense that, or at least have not turned their radio on, so to speak, so as to be able to become aware of it or transmit it or anything? Actually, yes. I always say that everybody's like an antenna. And the nature of your antenna is different than other people. And the vibration that you receive and you transmit is based on your antenna. And of course, each antenna is not quite the same because that the frequencies are different, you know, it's like science. So the energy that surrounds your antenna is different than others. But also, some people, even though they have, I mean, everybody has certain vibration that goes through them, but majority of people have no idea. Not aware of it. Yeah, so it's the certain energy that is different than others, number one, because everybody has different antenna. Number two is being aware of it. Yeah. So using that metaphor, some people are tuned into one channel, some people are tuned into another channel on the radio, so to speak. As antennas, they're picking up different frequencies of the electromagnetic field. And in this case, we're talking about a sort of spiritual energy, consciousness or whatever. And you're saying, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but just to make sure we're clear on what we're saying, you're saying that everyone has their own gift, your particular gift. How would you distinguish or define your particular gift from the average person, what they experience? I personally didn't have much relationship to it. I could do certain things and I thought everybody could. Then I realized, no, that's what I could. But then other people brought information because I don't relate to information. When you see something, for example, the only way you can have information about it is if you can classify it mentally somewhere that it relates to some mental connection, like label or whatever. But the way I relate to things is not so much through those mental labels so it's very difficult to explain what energy or how it is but i have an understanding and i know what that understanding is then i can reason why i have this understanding because the energy that i'm connected to and, and runs through me some people call it some people tell me come to me so well you know you have Atlantean energy some people call it, tell me you have Lemurian energy some people say well you have Christ energy some people say this and that and that but uh, I don't think all of them are so different. And the only difference is that each person relates to the different part of an elephant. 
and they call it different thing. Yeah, it's a famous analogy. Yeah, actually they have an elephant in front of me, so it was so simple to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not such a different thing. All of them, electromagnetic even is a part of it. Science is a part of it. It's not just spiritual or non-spiritual, whatever. The term spirituality is a very funny term because everything is spiritual. All part of the spirituality that science can tap into is also part of a spirituality. If you call somebody spiritual, it just simply means that that person is aware of that spirituality. It's not that anybody is not. And energetically, it's the same way too. What is a spirit is, to me, is beyond three-dimensional understanding. And the energy is beyond three-dimensional understanding. Every energy is electromagnetic. We just relate to it through some ways of scientific translation. In a way, that's a kind of a... A handicap of doing an interview show like this because we're talking about something very subtle that has to actually be experienced, but we're just sitting here using words. That's right. And you can't sort of push a button and everybody watching this is all of a sudden having the experience. They just have to sort of get a taste or a feeling or whatever from the conversation. And then if they're interested, go and have the experience themselves. Actually, that's not quite true because some of the people who watch this, they get it they're going to tap into that energy. Oh, okay. Uh, just the conversation will be a well, uh, catalyst a big, for them. Yes, it's just how it works. For, not for everybody. Right. But I've had uh, many TV interviews or whatever, and people got... Actually, once, many years ago, the cameraman fell off because of... <laughs> <laughs> you know, energy doesn't need a medium, doesn't need a particular way, doesn't need me, doesn't need... Doesn't need anything. Anything. But it uses every possible device to conduct itself. Uh, it could be me, it could be you, it could be the situation. So it flows. Do you feel like the kind of energy we're referring to here actually has an agenda? What you said was just kind of inferred, implied that. That in other words, there's a kind of an evolutionary force or purpose yeah. that it would like to further, to fulfill, you know, to advance. And that when there's a willing participant, someone who is appreciative of it and able to tune into it and help others tune into it, then we're kind of anthropomorphizing it here, making it sound like an, a human being, but that, that energy kind of rejoices in a way with the opportunity to you know, have someone be a, a servant or a, an emissary. Yes, but also it's, it doesn't take... Energy works with energy body of a person, so mm -hmm. it doesn't take somebody's will or or appreciation or, or commitment. So it does what it needs to do regardless of people wants or needs or uh, will. Incidentally, the, just to jump topic for a second here, um, I, I think Abdi left his home in Toronto at like 3 this morning or something. First of all, he, when he heard the, that this interview was to be done, um, he rearranged his flight schedule and had to buy a whole other ticket, which I wish he had told me because maybe we would have worked something out. I, I hate to see you incur the expense, but I thought that was extremely gracious of him. And then he had to leave home very early to get here and take a couple of different planes and drive himself down from the airport. And when he arrived here, my first impression of him that it was that he looked fresh as a daisy. You know, he didn't look like somebody who's been traveling for the past 12 hours. There's a gentleness about the man and a, a good feeling about him that um, is quite palpable. So, not to embarrass you, but I just want well, to I don't get express that appreciation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Reading on in your bio here, 
his work, Abdi's work, is to bring about and support the transformation of humanity and the earth to a higher consciousness. This is kind of what I was alluding to just now about this energy having a, uh, an evolutionary... Uh, yeah, everything uh, has a purpose. Yeah. Some you know it, some you don't. But nothing is in this universe without a purpose. And this is carried out, this uh, helping transform humanity and earth to higher consciousness, by raising the vibration of people and places. He channels an energy that allows an individual to connect to their own divinity. So there's some interesting things in here. One is, in a larger sense, do you feel like the vibration of the planet as a whole is raising, rising now? Many people have said that it is, feel that it is. Um, do you have any comments about that? Yes, definitely. I have a long explanation for that if you want to hear. We have time. Every 2012 years is a one cycle of time. And astrologically, everything reset itself. That means the possibility, energetic possibility of here, 2000 years, 2012 years ago, and now is exactly the same. And every seven times that is 14,000 something is one cycle of the whole universe. And this is based on what system? Uh, my system. Oh, <laughs> that you just cognized or something? Yeah. It's a one cycle of universe. And uh, when you look at um, 14,000 years ago, whatever, what happens is that uh, the whole universe gradually goes up on its energetic course and into a higher vibration. It goes up with the whole universe too. However, because of uh, human, we drag the energy of the earth a little bit below or behind from the whole universe. Mm -hmm. So every 14,000 years, something happened on earth that it catches up to everything else. Mm. There's an acceleration. Yes. And it has happened many times. If you look at the time dinosaurs went and, and if you go 14,000 years ago, to you go to Atlantean time or you go 28, you go Lemurian time. This has happened many times. And each time that has happened, humanity kind of eliminated itself. And this is the first time that's happened. You mean everybody died? Yeah. Or a lot of people? Well, a lot of them, we had to start again. Yes. Of course, our history doesn't go that far, and then scientifically, anything you cannot prove is, doesn't exist. Well, not from... <laughs> I mean, we know that people didn't all die 14,000 years No, no, ago. otherwise, we would, if it were, we all died, we wouldn't start again. But if you go, you know, you go to Egyptian time, there's something happened. So a big shake-up every 14,000. Well, yeah. So this is a time that we are going through an end of a cycle again. And it's a, it's a cycle that is much more interesting than before, by the way. Why? Because it's a time that elimination doesn't happen. One reason, I mean, there's many reasons, but one of them is just so many people doing so much energetic work. And each time they do some energetic one, individual on, on, on group or whatever, they raise the vibration of the earth to a level when it comes correction, the gap is so small. So it won't be as disastrous right. as before. Yeah. Even though everybody thinks it's so bad, actually it's not that bad. Now you know, of course, that 14,000 years is just the snap of a finger in the span of time of the universe. It's going to take 8 billion years for the Andromeda galaxy to merge with the Milky Way, and if we, and if we made every second 10 million years, it would still take about 15 minutes for that to happen. There must have been millions of these little 14-year cycles well, if, if you're talking about the whole universe. Well, I don't know. I can relate to seven of them. I don't know the rest of it. Now, when you say that, is that something that you actually cognized in some kind of inner state? I mean, how did you come up with this? You didn't get it from a book, right? You no. just Actually, I don't read. Well, you know how to read. Yeah, but I haven't read anything for 12 years. Right. 
And I, in my whole life, I probably read uh, two and a half books. I heard you say that in an interview, and yet you said you were a top-notch student. Yes. How do you? How were you well, a good student if you well, weren't books? No, well, I wasn't reading books. You know, in, in school, actually, I didn't. I I listened. And but you know, if you had to do homework, it's different. But reading a book for the for reading for reading a book, yeah. And one of the reason I didn't know, and one of the reason is just every cell of your body knows everything. Every cell of anything knows everything because every cell is in tune of the vibration of the totality of the whole universe. So the essence of the universe is in your cell. You know, everything is that way. We. Try to tap into knowledge or understanding or, or whatever through our external connection, which is through our brain, and we don't tap to those cells. And when you when we are conditioned that way, then uh, we lose connection, inner knowledge. I have been lazy to read all my life. It's not that I know these things, but uh, many years ago I have realized why. So I'm going more within um, to know. Well, I, I don't share this story with many people actually in public like that, but this is the first time I'm doing it. I'm going to tell this okay. story. Is that many years ago, I was told anything I say happens. Who told you that? Well, I was in a situation and some psychic and, and I, I was initiated to some stuff and I thought it was a joke, but it did. So I had to watch myself. I have to watch my anger. I have to watch a lot of things. And for a while, I thought it's a curse because, you know, I could get upset. Anybody, I could hurt. I mean, anything I say, I mean, I, whatever. So I had to watch myself very tightly, and I thought it was a curse. But one day I realized, okay, if everything I say happens, that means I cannot lie. That means whatever I know must be only the truth. If I say it, it's truth. So I start talking. I never read the Bible or, or, or Torah or whatever, but I said certain things. And somebody said, oh, that's in Bible. Oh, did you read that book? It's there, you know? So many people from different parts of the world, you wrote that book and it's just said, no. And then... There are, it's been many years that the confidence has become much stronger, that there are certain knowledge that I know it because I say it, not because I know it. That's very interesting. I like that. There's a lot of stories like that in the Vedic literature. Um, for instance, there's this book called the Srimad Bhagavatam, and the, the way the book starts out, there's this sage, and he's sitting in samadhi, and he's sitting in a deep meditative state, and some king comes along, and asks him a question, and the sage ignores him because he doesn't even hear him because he's in this deep state. And the king got, gets really mad and offended, and he takes a dead stick and drapes it around the sage's shoulders. And the king doesn't even know that's happening. And then a little while later, the sage's son comes along, and he sees someone committed this great insult against my father. And he said, whoever did this will die by being bitten by a poisonous snake in one week. And then his father comes out of Samadhi and said, what did you say? He said, well, I said this because they offended you. He said, oh, my God, now this is going to have to come true because you said it, because you have that level of sattva, they call it, level of purity, that whatever you say is going to happen. So it turns out that the king found out about this. He said, I deserve it. I shouldn't have done that to the sage. And then the whole book is like this narration of, a, of this beautiful story because the king wanted to hear it in the week before he died. And there are many stories like that where if someone says something, it has to happen because they're speaking from a level that knows only truth. And so whatever they say happens. happens. But of course, after a while, I realized something else. For example, many years ago, I was... 12 years ago, I met my wife, and just before I met her, I was upset, and I, I said certain things, and, and I called God, my boss, and one of my friends said, why don't you ask your boss for a uh, partner? I said, I don't want any personal favor, but I, if I don't get what I want, I go on a strike. 
and I won't have my tour, continue my tour. Two hours later, I met my wife in Hyde Park in England. And many people say, oh, so you wish it to happen, but that's not true. It is true, but it's not, I said it happened. It was something that was happening anyways, and I tapped into that. Before, I thought anything I say happened. Then I realized, actually, there is an interrelation between manifestation and what is happening anyway. Many people speak of what is happening, but because they say it, other people think because they say it happened, but, but it was happening anyways. Right. And everything going to happen when it needs to happen. So it's a kind of a chicken and egg That's question. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and actually, I listened to quite a few hours of other interviews and talks and stuff that you have done during the past week. And for some reason, there's a lot of discussion about free will and determinism and whether we have free will. People are asking you all kinds of questions about this. It sounds like you're saying we don't and that things just happen in a deterministic way, but we kind of feel like we're doing them, and yet... I always flip a coin, which I can do it right now for you. Well, flip a coin. Okay, what's the possibility of this going to be head? Okay. What is the possibility of that is head? 50-50. You're right, it's whatever it actually is. It's 100% not head. Actually, that is the head. That is 100% head. Yeah. So it's not 50, it was 100. Right. But also 50. Until we know. Exactly. Right. You see, the, what we call possibility has nothing to do with what it is. It has to do with the possibility of us knowing the outcome. Mm. So the possibility of us knowing the outcome is 50-50 in everything. Huh. But what is happening is happening. It's already happened. You see, from the moment, everything is tight in the universe. Everything's tight. It's a tight universe. It's not, it's not haphazard. You know, right. the sun runs from, you know, everything is set up in a certain way. Yes, perfectly, perfectly. orchestrated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like an engine that works perfectly. In a universe like that, why do you think we should be so loose we can do whatever we want? You know, can you have, can, in an engine, in an organism, in your body, can you have one system that does whatever we want, like a heart? No. If everything is organized which is an organism, that's what it is. You cannot have a haphazard situation. If there is no haphazard situation, there cannot be random possibility. And that is how it is. The sun comes from the same direction every day. The earth does what it does. The the trees do what they need to do. And why is it that we think we can come from right one day and the other day from left? The reason we think that way, which is valid, it's it's our reality. Uh, because, that way. because we are disconnected from that harmony. We are separated. So we don't see the connection and we don't see that we are organized as a part of that organism of the universe or whatever you want to call it. Because we are not connected, we can be haphazard. But the earth and sun and everything is connected and we look at it and they cannot be. So it's our illusion that is that we can create whatever we want to create. But from the moment we are born, we are an energetic entity, a new one or whatever, reformat one, you want to call it. Energetically, you only have one possibility. And that is not up to you. It depends on the other attraction and repulsion of everything else in the universe that's bigger than you. And that's how the astrology works, by the way. If, for example, if I put a thousand magnets on this floor, I put one, I threw one among other ones, it always goes the same direction based on attraction and repulsion of others. It has nothing to do with that magnet. So... We are energetic. Everything is energetic. Why should we be independent of our environment? If you say you have a free will, that means you are independent of your environment, which is not true. The free will, in our reality, you have free will. But how the free will works is that this is the way it works. 
how do we choose? We choose based on an emotion. Some people think logic, but it's not, nothing logical. It's just basically an emotion or a reaction to something, whatever you want to call it. But something in your environment happens, makes you choose. So I'm not in charge of that, what's happening in your environment. So is it your choice really? You had a reaction. Your choice is only a reaction. And I'm here sitting with you, but from the moment I was born, I was supposed to have this interview. No matter how many flights I had to change. I can hear you describe it. I ponder this thought myself a lot and um, have discussions with people about it. And you know, hearing you describe it right now, I have a more of a visceral appreciation of what you're saying. But also, if you understand it, you see, everybody's in search of enlightenment. But if you put all that aside, if you really understand that, then you realize there's no need for ego. You can't do wrong. And you cannot be guilty of, you think you did wrong. And you don't have expectation from others. All the teaching that comes from many people, if you understand this concept, they can work. But if you're in charge, then, you know, other people are in charge. Everybody have to perform and they all have to have fulfilled expectations. That uh, wouldn't work. Would it be fair to say in summary that the more estranged you are, the more detached you are from oneness or source, the more you might have the feeling that you're a free agent and that you're independent and that you're calling the shots and pulling the strings, but that if you're really experientially in tune with the source or oneness, if you're really living from that level, then there's just a spontaneous flow in life and you don't feel like the doer or the actor or the decider. You just along for the ride and exactly exactly that's what it is of course you know i don't feel that way all the time i had to change my flight to get here all those i mean i get involved in what i have to do well i get involved but on a larger scale in my life i know i have no you know i'm just showing do whatever i have to do i mean when i put food in my mouth i chew but it's all i'm conditioned to do that so basically i know everybody's different and the reason it's different is not because a choice they have made, it's because of their nature and the environment and universe play with your nature to make the choice you have to choose. And everybody reacts to certain situations differently based on their nature. Well, I, I have different way of looking at the holistic or on a, on a small scale. I, I, I believe in to know everything in universe, to connect to everything, you need to understand 12 dimension. Our mind is on three, four dimensional, on three dimensional uh, and whatever we don't understand the nine dimension we don't understand, we call it time. So on a three-dimensional system, of course there's choice. Mm-hmm. We choose everything. But when you look at it on a more holistic basis, there is no choice, you know. It's just, the, and the dimension, well, I go one step farther since, you know, I mentioned something without explanation. A lot of people talking about five-dimensional time or certain things. But dimension is simply the way you can relate to something. For example, a dimension of this is wool, another dimension is gray. There's so many ways you can relate to something. Each of them is a dimension. Right. We generally relate to everything on our external situation. So we have given them X, Y, Z dimensions. Yeah. And then whatever we don't understand, in order for it to make sense, because I'm here and I'm here, then it's some time pass. So we have created time to cover up with what we don't understand. But if somebody can go connect to two, five, six, seven dimension, they can create something without time pass. We call it a miracle. But it's not really a miracle. They use the connection that other people do not see. Like a magician use something that a black cord that nobody sees. Right. So everything is connected and there is no disconnection. And understanding that life is so easy. I've heard you talk about 12 dimensions before. 
And I presume this is also something that you didn't read in a book that you just sort of know. If we took the time to do so, would we be able to go through all 12 dimensions and say what exactly what each one is? Like if I said, okay, what's dimension number nine, you know, would you be able to describe it? Or is it too abstract to really put into words? Nah, it's too abstract to put it into words because, you know, you, you name something that you know. You cannot name something that you don't know. If you don't relate to something, how, how are you going to name it? We may not have words for However, it. However, I think it's time for humanity. I, one of the things I said is a special time and raising vibration is a time for humanity to relate to other dimensions. I think the next two dimensions that people are going to relate to next 25 years, some are relating right now, is the dimension of intention and attention. Is that when you intend your thought form, can manipulate, can materialize. And other vibration can affect you. Even though you don't have free will, you still intend, and it, it appears like an individual motivation, an individual push to have a certain thing happen, but it's actually just part of the divine orchestration. Well, well, it's not something that you independently are doing. Well, I'm going to say something about that. You see, the divine play with you to have that intention. So I'm explaining how it works, yeah. not who is in charge. You see, I always say, if I have a nail and I put it in this wall with a hammer, who's putting the nail in? I am putting with a hammer. If a hammer had a brain, hammer would have thought the hammer is doing it. I wouldn't see my connection to the hammer. No, that's good. I understand. The cause is different, but I'm just talking about the flow. That's how prayer works, actually. That's how you know, humanity has been using it for so long, but uh, it hasn't been valued in some ways. And it had some value. It's lost it because we are so much focused on three-dimensional format of life. And so it's time that the other two dimensions, people are going to relate well, you know, if they realize that if somebody is not in a, if I'm agitated, I'm, I'm sitting here saying nothing, it can affect you. Also, if I have a, my thought can, if I have a thought form about you or whatever, again, intentionally I can affect you. Right. And this is known to many people for so long, but when we realize that, also we realize the connection. You know, each of us is like a cell of a body. Each human is like a cell of a body. We create the body of humanity. The way we operate right now is that if you have a toe and it's not wrong, you just cut it and throw it away because we don't see the connection. We invent a toe because we can have some hold in it. You just take it out and, you know, chop everything and whatever. We'll sell it for, you know, if, if we don't see the connection that that foot is connected to you, you have no value. But when we realize humanity is one and no matter when we invade, when we manipulate, when we harm some form of human, we get affected directly, not through biblical term directly yeah. then then we live differently well there actually is a good biblical thing for this you've probably heard the quote you know jesus said whatsoever you do unto the least of these you do unto me so are you uh, saying if there are these 12 dimensions does spiritual evolution involve being able to live or to incorporate more and more of these dimensions in one's living experience so there might be people walking around who have eight dimensions living and another 10 dimensions, another all 12. Almost, but not to the extent that you're explaining. You see, everybody have all the dimensions. Right. So normally, you know, people are related to three, four, whatever. Now, there are many courses of how, for the Reiki courses, how you can shift things, you know, change, affect your energy body or whatever. So those people learn how to work with four and fifth dimension. A powerful healer can go to six or seven or maybe eight, but that's it. On 12 dimensions, you don't need to exist, and you won't exist. So life 
is a process of us, you know, to get to a high vibration and eventually to get to a different dimension eventually. And then we get to 12, we don't need to, to be alive anymore. So when you're doing your thing, how many dimensions are involved? You see, because I said the very powerful healer has eight, I'm not going to rate myself now. Uh, I cannot, but it's not definitely. It's high up, but it's, it's still below 10 because it's how it is. It's not something that you graduate from. Is your energetic body mm-hmm. that relates to those consciousness, uh, and and each consciousness is, is is a dimension that I you know is twelve consciousness or twelve dimension or whatever you want to call it, label it. At a higher consciousness, then there's nothing to do, nowhere to go, and everything is perfect. Because it's not that way for me, I'm not there either. <laughs> right, so you have something to do, somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Like here, showing up here. Right, you have to come all the way from Toronto. Here's what I would say to that, is that there could be people, and have been people, and are people, who, in their experience, aren't doing a thing. They are not doing anything. And yet, looking at them externally, they seem to be doing a lot. They're very busy, going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And yet, their inner silence is so profound that there's, from their perspective, they're not doing anything. Well, actually, what you do or you don't do doesn't matter anyways. The effect that a person, any effect is energetically first. What you do is the second thing. So what you do, you do for yourself to be in the energy that you need to be. So some people need to be busy to go in there. Some people need to be quiet too. Some people, you know, it's just what you do. Nobody does anything for anybody. Everybody does it for themselves. And the energy is what is impacting others. Yeah. And it might take formats, like, you know, is a, is a video or, or whatever interview now. But what it is, is beyond the interview or what you do or what anybody does is beyond what they do. Yeah. It's that energy that impacts so if everyone is ultimately doing it for themselves, and I know what you mean by that, and it doesn't mean they're being selfish, because that selfish, it has a small, a small greedy kind of thing. Yeah, you know, many years ago, I wanted to write a book, and the, the, the reason I didn't, because I had to change everything in the vocabulary. Because the way we relate to anything yeah. is, is very narrow. <laughs> because, you know, selfish, well, it's not good to be selfish, but everything is selfish. Everybody is selfish, but we don't want to know it. I know what you mean. Mother Teresa did what she did because it was gratifying for her. It gave her joy. It gave her bliss. It gave her meaning in life. Exactly. And, and just using her as a case in point. And probably we could say the same of what you're doing. Not for everybody. I mean, any mother is a good mother because their nature mandates them to be that. But they don't do it for the child. They do it because it's their nature. Exactly. All right. I'm actually still reading his bio here. He believes the truth cannot be learned and can only be connected to from within. Even though most of his work is energy-based, he guides people to realize their, their gift and their wisdom, which is a good point uh, because sometimes when people go to healers or people like that, there's a sense of disempowerment. Like, I have to see this guy in order to connect with something that I couldn't possibly do on my own. And I think what you're saying is you guide people to realize their own gift and their own wisdom. You don't necessarily want them to be dependent upon you for the rest of their life. You see, the reason Jesus came to earth to show everybody that, look, everybody can be like me. We are the same. And he said something. But for us, because it's so hard to be like, you know, so if, if I feel, how can I, if, you know, my ego, or not my, a third person ego, would think, okay, if I cannot be like Jesus, so it's not something wrong with me, so I cannot handle that. So what I do, I bring Jesus as something superpower, so I never can be that. 
Well, of course he was superpower, but not because we are so different. And he came as an example for everybody to be independent, mm-hmm. to be connected on their own. Buddha the same. But we always, rather than we get the teaching, <laughs> we, we like the teacher. Mm. Yeah, put him up on a pedestal. Yeah. Jesus said, he said, all these great things that I do, you should do, do even greater things. Exactly. So I think uh, what it is, what, what you mentioned, or what I mentioned is if, if we're all like a tuning fork and like in that antenna and we resonate with what we need to resonate mm-hmm. and all it takes that sometimes a loud noise go through your tuning fork for you to realize the sound. Mm-hmm. So you do it on your own. Well, tuning fork is a good example because, I mean, if you have the two tuning forks close to each other and you get one going, the other one will start to hum, you know, if, if they're the right resonance with each other. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Or you could use the example of a burning log. You know, you put another log next to it and the burning log gets that log burning and then it's burning on its own after. Exactly. So everything, you know, is um, our vibration. Whatever vibration we are affect people around us. And as more pure and clear we are in our ego, that vibration is more powerful. Mm-hmm. And the impact of it is much bigger. Of course, nobody is doing it to impact others. It is how everybody's nature is. And I think when people realize it through step-by-step guidance, we all realize we, we have no need. You see, if you look at a tree, a tree doesn't have a need. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Everything that it needs is there. It's always been there. And all the animals, they just get what they need. And it's just, they're not ever suffering. The only one who suffers, us who are very intelligent. And uh, if we go deeper, we realize we really don't have any need. And whatever we need, we already have. And whatever we don't have, we don't need. Well, let me probe you on that one a little bit. I mean, a tree needs water, a tree needs sunlight. And an animal, if it gets its leg caught in a trap, isn't it suffering? You brought brought an if. But whatever tree needs, it has it it's not a need that is not fulfilled. I mean, Might be. What if there's a drought and it doesn't get enough water and it dies? It, does, it doesn't get upset for it. You know, it's, it's, that's how it is. So there's you're no, saying well, that trees and animals, they're much more you accepting, you're saying? Well, they are more connected. They are connected to the connection. Yeah. You see, if uh, when I'm connected to my whole body and I have a uh, corner of my toe is infected, as a whole body, I just go to, to the, you know, the surgeon can c- cut that infection and put it out. Mm-hmm. And there's no suffering because it's, it's for the harmony of the body. But if, I, if I'm that corner only with, no, with this connection, it's, Whoa, how come I'm being eliminated? Uh-huh. So what you're saying is if you don't sort of realize the bigger picture, exactly. then there's suffering. That's right. Right. But if you sort of realize your connectedness with the whole, then all is well and wisely put. Exactly. Uh, okay. Got it. Through Abdi's presence, some people have become healers, spiritual teachers, life coaches, and many have become free from physical and emotional illnesses, but many more have been gifted to see the beauty of life and its participants. Yeah, I was listening to one girl, and she said she had had this bad ulcer problem for 10 years or something, and then working with you, the ulcer is totally gone. Now she can eat Indian food. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a lot of that, that people actually overcome physical ailments? And is, do you place an yes, emphasis on that? Or yes, is that like a secondary know, consideration? That is not even secondary. It's way down in the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly not something you could promise, obviously. But. Not only a promise, I really don't care. It was a long ago, 12 years ago, I used to go and um, heal people. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, somebody had cancer, they didn't have it anymore. But I got a message that I should not interfere with universal flow. Mm. So I don't do it anymore. I, I don't call myself a healer or don't do healing. Okay. Uh, but 
uh, when everything happens to you is a is an energetic disharmony and a disconnection of your understanding. Of course, everything is connected, but you know you you are not aware of it. When you are kind of connected again, there is a new level of harmony. And when there is harmony, whatever physical side effect of it might go away. I'm not doing it. It just happened to them because their energy level shifts. Yeah, you help them to get into more bal- balance. I don't like even that word. <laughs> we have to choose I our words carefully. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. You're a facilitator in some way, a, a catalyst. You know what a catalyst does is it, it facilitates a chemical reaction w- without right. itself being involved in the reaction. Exactly, exactly what changing. Yeah. Exactly what it is. But I don't want to. I get so many calls. People have cancer. They ask me help, and I, I don't. Yeah. I send them to other people I know. But it's not in my consciousness. I remember many years ago, I was at the place that somebody was dying and asked me to help him. And I, and I said, no, in front of his children. And at the time, it was so difficult for me. Yeah. But when you realize, what is wrong with dying? The best day of my life is the day I die. Hmm. Of course, my children don't want to hear it. Right. I don't say loud in front of them. But that's how it is. Because when you realize... The cycle of lives that we relate to mm-hmm. and how energetic and, you know, your soul exists forever. And your physical body is 100 years on that soul. If you look at your, uh, the length of your physical body to the length of your, your, your soul, it's like one day of this life. Right. Would you care so much to have one bad day? No. But why do you care so much? Because you don't see. You know, when, if you didn't know there is tomorrow, you care so much you have one bad day today. And that's how we live. We live based on the ignorance of limitation. And true, when you are limited, you're so much into to make the best thing. Actually, like many years ago, I came a, a theory called uh, absolute theory that is related to emotion and consciousness and time. Of course, I'm not going to go detail of it now, but basically is our full consciousness is fraction by time and we create emotion for it. And if we realize there's no time, that, you know, we are fully conscious and we, are, we have no suffering, no emotion. I mean, I'm not going to detail now because not everybody can understand it. I don't want to fill up your, uh, your interview with a, with a theory. But I'll give you an example. If you go to a buffet and you take your food you don't like, it, do you get upset? No. You take something else because there's no limitation. Right. But if you go to a restaurant, you order something, you take it and you don't like it, you're not happy with your choice. If we realize everything is a buffet, there's no beginning, there's no limitation, there's no beginning and end, the way we deal with everything is totally different. We look at everything as an experience, not as a mistake, not a, as a as only chance. Right. I like that perspective. It definitely makes life a lot smoother. <laughs> I mean, regarding dying, if, if I were driving a car that was breaking down and it needed a head gasket repaired and it was rusting and the, you know, it was breaking down by the roadway, I'd want a new car. I wouldn't be upset if, if I traded that car in for a new car. <laughs> That's how it is, you know. On the same token, we believe on many things opposite than it is. And through that opposition, we have created system and belief system. For example... We are 12-dimensional being. We connect to the 12 dimension. We are, we are high consciousness, high vibration before we are born and after we die. And then we are upset with dying, but we should celebrate it because if we get there, you know, that's the optimum truth. And then we celebrate uh, birth because, well, uh, you know, it brings some high vibration to a lower, three-dimensional, what is to celebrate? If you go deeper, you realize, for example, also the, the time you sleep, you're connected to everything. That is your optimum vibration. That is your 
optimum being. Most people think they need to sleep in order to go to war, but the reality is you need to get tired so you connect to your optimum reality. But it all depends on how you're conditioned to which reality to tap into. That's nice. There's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that says, Certain indeed is death for the born and certain is birth for the dead. This does not bewilder the wise. <laughs> Here's a question. When someone has been healed, you just said you don't do the healing thing so much, but, but let's just say, let's not even use the word healing, but whatever it is that happens when you have a session with people, it seems that it's rare that the effect lasts. Perhaps in some cases where there's a lot of grace, it is permanent. But in most cases, won't the person just revert back to their issues and their, there's an Indian word, vasanas and their tendencies? How can it be practical for someone to be healed or to do sessions repeatedly for more effect? Doesn't it all come back to the individual to heal themselves? Definitely. That's why I don't do any healing. I don't even believe on that healing word. But you see, what happens is that we are layers within layers. First of all, we are all run by different energies. What I call energies, emotion, the way we relate to those energies through emotion. And for example, sadness is one energy, anger is another energy, agitation or whatever, controlling is another energy. And uh, the energy manifests itself through our life, is through our environment, our relationship to our environment and physical or whatever, you know, some people, that energy make them not have money or suffer from something or whatever else. Sometimes for somebody to come out of that situation, they have to go deeper first. They have to go, you know, deal with all of it before they can get rid of it. And for other situation, they can just come out of it easy and then they have to deal with a different layer of it. Because it's not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. And not everything dealt with at once. Yeah, I was reading on your website various testimonials. And there's one woman in Australia that started doing sessions with you. And this, you know, we don't want to scare people, but she said that her life started changing so much. She divorced her husband, who she also considered her best friend of 25 years of marriage. And she started going through all this intense stuff and just deep transformation and crying and all kinds of rigmarole. It seemed kind of dramatic. How common is it for people who get involved with your sessions and all to have their whole life turned upside down? If they're well, very blessed, very common. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not so blessed, not common. Energetically, we are surrounded by energy that support us. Mm-hmm. For example, the people here have certain energy, certain ethnicities have certain energy, a family have that certain energy. If you, your energy have shifted to a high vibration, whatever around you cannot support you, cannot exist around you. If it's a work, it's a husband, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Of course, those happen for the people who have the understanding. They see it as a blessing. Right. Yeah, well, and she offered to put a testimonial on your website, so she saw it as a good thing. Yes. Well, I'm not in charge of the system. Somebody has dealt with it. I, I haven't heard those things. I, I mean, I don't read them. I'm so detached from what's, what people tell me, tell about me. You can go through, our lives happen for us to go through it. A path that we all end to that destination that we need to end. It's like going to school from, you know, grade one, grade two, grade 12. Each, each year you learn something and you go through whatever you have to go to go next year. If you go to school and you're happy and nothing happens. You just play. You learn, learn nothing. And lives are the same way. If you put a bunch of lives in one lifetime, it's not a pleasant life. You go through a lot. Yes. Yeah. That's how it is. But it's, everything will happen. It will happen gradually. 
for fast. It's like a surgery or taking a pill. Mm. For different people, it's different. But the energies that is on earth is much more powerful than before. Accelerating. Yes. There was an energy that uh, supported the human consciousness on earth from the beginning of existence until December 21st, 2012. This energy supported the people the way they were, Mm. the way we were. Of course, Mayan people tap into that consciousness and they realize, oh, it finishes. They thought it's end time, but that consciousness finished. Uh, From then to... September 2013, there was nothing. It's a time of whatever. And then it's a new consciousness, new energy since September 2013. And this new energy, new consciousness is very powerful. And what happens, we're all like an antenna. The energy goes from our crown chakra through us to earth. And this energy is different. It's like 110 volt or 220. It's different than that before. Also, it's much more powerful. If our energetic body is not aligned, doesn't allow that energy to go through us, it will blow like a fuse. So on our physical body, we create cancer. On our emotional body, we create depression and anxiety. And this is going to happen. This is happening. You can go through this or that. <laughs> so there are billions of people in the world whom I would say are not very well aligned. So would you predict epidemics of cancer? And I mean, now there's this Zika virus, which is a big deal. And I mean, do you expect all hell to break loose in a way? Um, as it, this it energy? has already, you know, it has already. But what is happening also is a time, the new energy that is coming is the energy that connects your heart and your intuition. Mm-hmm. And it drags you to a different consciousness. Mm. So because of that new energy, a lot of people are opening to spiritual paths. Yeah. There is no possibility, but if there was, yes, what you say is correct. But however, there's another factor that is opening people before all this happened, people go through it. That's mm-hmm. why I do what I do and I, uh, you do what you do and mm-hmm. everybody else. What you, I mean, you have an interview here, but what you do is beyond an interview, bringing consciousness to people. Yeah, that's why. And why do you bring that? Because why didn't you do it 20 years ago? <laughs> because it's time now. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years ago I was teaching meditation but this is actually more fun <laughs> one thing I infer from what you just said is that if people want to have a smoother ride then they should align themselves with that energy attune themselves cooperate with it and then you know rather than resisting it or pushing in another direction and then things perhaps they'll avert all sorts of um, unpleasantness in their lives yeah. I didn't say quite that word, but nobody's in charge of the energy to align or not align. But the reason we are not aligned is because we are disconnected with our nature. Because we are natural being. You are a nature, and every part of you is nature, and you're, you're part of nature. Through our mind, we disconnect ourselves. We are making better. We are the one who walks on the earth, and you know, we make the earth, we make things. So we bring the, the disconnection, and then we create that energy. That Because we are the disconnected, this new energy doesn't go through. It's like a fuse that is not fully connected. So life... And situation right now has been magnified people to go through a lot of turbulences for them to release the anger, the sadness or whatever they need to release. To become more pure in their frequencies and become more harmony and attuned to the universe and earth. So gradually these energies go through them. This is happening to everybody, absolutely everybody. Either they do a practice or they come to something or not. Then there's other people who just go through quick surgery. Through whatever format it is, could be through a session or many other things happen in people's lives. You know, there's so many people die, they don't die. And then they just open up to something else. Mm -hmm. So what they saw as a disaster of a death Mm -hmm. has become a blessing of a new birth. 
So it depends on how you look at everything. But basically, what is happening is a blessing to the whole humanity, is an evolution for humanity, and it's a time of celebration. Actually, in, in Bibles and most biblical and ancient religion have been promised this time. Yeah, a lot of things are predicted. So if you build a new house, you have to destroy the old one. And if you don't see this new house, the destroying is just a loss. But if you relate a process of what's happening, it's a celebration. So it depends on how you relate to your life and yourself and your situations. So using that house metaphor, do you have a sense of when the destruction of the old house and the completion of the new house will happen in years and what the new house will be like compared with the old house? It's very difficult. It's just the new house going to be more free. I mean, if you describe society 20, 30 years from now, what, what would you predict? Well, I think 25 years from now, I know most people don't like what I say. They don't believe it, but in 25 years, I think nobody's going to be only three-dimensional. Everybody's going to be five-dimensional. And, five and what will that, what will means, that mean? In terms that of means is just, you know, the, the oneness. People relate to oneness. People relate to earth. People relate to nature. People relate to everything as a connection to them. So... The materialistic value of our conditioned system will be reduced so much. Everybody see, okay, there's an economy, problem with the economy. Actually, there's no problem with the economy. There's a problem having an economy. Because what economy is? It's a game. That is a way of distribution of uh, wealth. And where the wealth come from to, to start with? From earth. Everything comes from earth. So as more consumption you have, more economy you have, but you invade the earth more. So would it sustain itself? No, because the earth is much more powerful than it. Correct us. And you used to be a financial advisor, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, so you know a thing or two about the economy. Uh, yes, but it's all, you know, we are conditioned to value certain things now. That is really not that important. And totally ignore other things that is very important, like purity of water, or, or being, or, or sense of humanity and compassion and connection. And, and that is, at the end of the day, what puts you in peace or in war is you. And that is much more important than anything else that you can have your illusion of the day. I was listening to an interview this morning with Erin Brockovich, who um, is this sort of activist. And, and she, there's this big thing going on up in Michigan with the water supply, where there's lead in the water and the kids are all getting lead poisoning and stuff. And she said there are thousands of towns like that which have that kind of problem. And it's just that Flint, Michigan is the tip of the iceberg. And that it seems like that's just one small example, but a very significant one for those children. But it seems like there are so many things in this world that are destroying the earth, polluting the earth, destroying the people because of the pollution and that just have, actually have no place in that new house you alluded to. You know, they just will somehow have to be rectified, eliminated, swept away and a whole new structure built in which we don't kill ourselves through pollution and, you know, we don't destroy the planet and so on. I've always been sort of fascinated with how that transition will actually play out. It's not going to be a transition, it's going to be an evolution. Yeah. And it's not that we do it. Well, evolution is a transition. You go from childhood yeah, to adulthood. Yeah, it's just it's a very rapid transition yeah. because it's, we have been lived a certain way. I don't think we do it. It goes through us. Mm-hmm. It's happening right now. You see, when I mentioned to you, the energy of the earth has to catch up to a new level. And when it does, every element of the earth acts 
to evaporate need to have. You could like a compound in a chemical reaction. So when you want to take water to vapor, you have to put so much heat and boil it and disturb it and become vapor. And in our system, you can look at it scientifically or a, or a native way, the four elements, you know, the element of uh, fire goes where it needs to go. That's why the volcanoes are so active now. The element of water does the tsunamis. <laughs> the element of uh, earth does the earthquakes. And the air does the hurricanes and tornadoes. It is happening. I don't know, many years ago I was telling people when uh, in, in Louisiana where they had this hurricane, to everybody who before the hurricane said, well, you know, uh, life is this and this is, as long as you're doing it, it's happy, you're happy. But then suddenly something happened, even though you could be anybody, but it was something unexpected. And then you have to adjust yourself to different way of life. And of course, within our system, we forget, but it really the evolution that I'm call, call, talking about is nothing that we can forget. It's going to happen through us. I love people who care about the earth, but care, earth doesn't need to take care of earth. Earth going to take care of me in a, and itself, and we cannot handle it when it happens. Okay, I'm going to shift gears again. Um, so during your sessions, people, it's a sort of dramatic sometimes, people fall over when you touch them, and somebody's there to show them. Is it? I mean, someone's there to catch them. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. Okay. I mean, we had a guy here about four or five years ago named Kenji Kumari, and he did a similar thing where he would touch you in a certain way, and people were all falling over. I just stood there like a dummy. I didn't feel like falling over. I had no inclination to fall over. Um, I'm almost afraid to come to your session because I don't want to set a bad example. But what is all this falling over business about? It's not. It's not. <laughs> what happened is um, it doesn't have to be in any form as energetic. But when you are... Uh, connected to your true format and to your soul, your mind is not in control. Yeah. So falling, lying down is an easy format of, because you're, as long as you're, you're standing, more doing anything, you are, uh, you, you know, your mind is, has its own interpretation. Mm-hmm. So it's not about lying down or sitting. You, you know, people get, even if they're aware of it, even nothing, they feel nothing happened, doesn't matter. Maybe they should start lying down rather than bothering to fall over. Yeah, but for a space, and I have to generally, I, if, if I had 200 massage tables, that's what yeah. I would do. Yeah. I can't bend over on everybody and do that. I see. It's a nice show. <laughs> okay. And also for people, a lot of, so mind is still a place game. And wants to say, oh, I'm in charge. When even they come with so many things they feel or not feel, a day later, they, you know, they tell me that this happened, then a week later they deny it. But... That falling is something we cannot deny. It's not that easy to deny. Shows them they're not in charge so much. Exactly. Yeah. In many places, when more advanced people come, I have also a retreat or whatever, I don't do that. With more advanced people, I just tell them to lie down. Yeah. Maybe logically. I remember many years ago, when I started at the beginning of a session, I mentioned if you serve in an army or you, you were in the police, uh, you won't fall back uh, because you're conditioned to stand. Yeah. To be like that. And then I, I had uh, a session with... Uh, Bogota police over 10 years ago, nine years ago, something like that. And at first it was difficult. Some, you know, one out of, two out of 10 fall back, but, you know, it was difficult. But then I went to the general and he, when he fell, then everybody did. <laughs> so that's how he is, you know. Oh, example, yeah. So on a subtle level, what are the mechanics of what's actually happening? Let's try to get into that a little bit. So here you are, your guy, and you come in to a room full of people and you do some stuff and people have all kinds of experiences. If we could see all the subtler dimensions, if we have that sort of perception, what are the mechanics of what's actually taking place with you, with them, between you and them? Well, it's very difficult to explain, but I, I try my best. 
but don't take me literally. It's like a laundromat. Laundromat. Mm-hmm. Everybody go in a bubble that is separate from outside mm-hmm. and mixed up together and with whatever additive it is. And uh, some stuff comes out of them. <laughs> and also, it's a laundromat that is, you know, you don't dry them. <laughs> you just take them wet, soaking outside, and they go through life for each person to be dried the way they need to. Our existence, the way we relate to our existence is through our mind, but our soul is in charge of it. You are not in charge of anything because the energetic of anything is the one which is in charge of it, not the thing. Our soul is as we, is, as we are. Of course, there's no such a thing as our soul either because it's, you, know, you, you don't have an individual soul, but I'm not going to go there. Your energetic body through lifetimes has been altered in a way that you have lost connection with your source. And that alteration is only energetic. The way you relate to those energies through emotions. Actually, I will say many people have problem with emotion. I say emotion is the only way of communication of you with your soul. Emotion is. Anytime you are emotional, you connect to your soul, reaches to you, to something beyond what you believe and you are in control of. And through emotion, you do something illogical, which is your mind is in charge. And because your soul has nothing to do with those logic or what is right or wrong or that conditioning of mind, mental conditioning. Energetically, certain energies shifts and let's say come out of you and it's not gone for good. It's just diluted to certain different level of harmony for everybody in the group. Some people relate to it. They feel it. They experience it. Some people have no idea. I mean, if I have a, a pan that is dirty, I can see it's dirty, I put it in laundry, and I, I, it's washed, oh, it's clean. But if I don't see dirt in it, if I'm totally, I cannot relate to any of the dirt, and I, I have children who don't see dirt on their pants, because I always dirt, where, where, where? And they, when you come out, it's the same. Yeah. There's no relation. So not everybody relate to it, but uh, basically is uh, being in a time and a spaceless space, which is always that way, what we can relate to it. Some people can, some people not. And going through magnified transformation of self, not to anything, you know. Just reorganize yourself, you know. It's like a messy room and put it in order. It's nothing new to it and nothing taking away from it. It's just putting some order. And that is happening in life anyways. The old life is about that. Life does it for us. People come to that situation, it just happened faster. And some people, I know somebody, for example, many years ago in Australia, some guy came to my session and, and then he left. I, I didn't know about it. Then my organizers four months later called the guy. He said, please take me off his list because I felt nothing and it was just a waste of time. Don't call me again. Then the guy two months later called and said, you know what, put me back in, in the list because last two months if something happened, I know everything has to do with that session. So it took seven months or whatever. Well, some people may not notice it. Yeah. They're really noticing something and not noticing something. It all has to do with our, our conditioning. It has nothing to do with the truth. Okay. Yeah, let me summarize what I think you just said to make sure I understand it correctly. Uh, so the laundromat uh, metaphor is that, you know, there's a sort of a, a collective consciousness generated in the room when you're doing these sessions, and everyone gets sort of 
pummeled up in it and, and affected by it and w sort of washed, so to speak. There's an infusion of coherence that influences everyone, but people are only aware of it according to their capacity, and there might be a lot of stuff going on that they're not aware of, because as that's the way life is anyway. Most of the stuff that's going on we're not aware of. We're just aware of the little thin crust of, uh, of the surface value of things. So anybody who's in that atmosphere, like being in a washing machine, is getting influenced, and there might be, uh, it could be that the majority of change or influence that's taking place for them is beneath the threshold of their ability to perceive. But it might manifest or be recognized four or six months later, and yet, yet things have been shifting all that time without unbeknownst to them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But also, you mentioned before there is certainly come and go. Many people who, who come and feel something, they might lose the feeling later. It yeah. doesn't mean that it's not there. Right. You see, if you put your hand in hot water, you feel the heat. After a while, you get used to it. Yeah. So it's as if it's cold, but it's not. Right. It just you get used to a, your new energy level, and you. This is I'm going back to one of the questions you asked, and if. I thought I answered, but I didn't. Uh, so when when another time they come to they they, they go to another layer, you know. Um, so going back to this question exactly, and through that those energies, if if somebody releases uh, sadness, they become sad. If somebody releases anger, they become angry. Agitation, they become agitated. And and when somebody releases controlling energy, they become controlling. And when you control, you experience nothing. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. So we tend to experience the thing that we're releasing. That's right. That's a good little summary That's of the point. Yeah. yeah. On your website, it says something about hourly energy transmissions, and there probably one of them happened during this conversation you and I have been having. Yeah. What's the mechanics of that? I mean, is it something that you are consciously involved in? Does it happen 24-7 around the clock every hour? There's yeah. an energy transmission? So it must be something that's kind of set up automatically that you don't have to consciously do anything about. That's right. Well, you know, this came to me because... I don't know, spirituality has become an industry and a lot of people try to sell dependency and new courses and new things. And I thought, well, I want to do something that it doesn't need anything. <laughs> I don't even have to come to a place have a session. I've had sessions from other places. Uh, once, for example, in Brazil, they didn't let me go because I had a yellow fever. I didn't have a yellow fever certificate coming from Amazon. And, and I had a session. I told them, okay, you have a session. I'll, 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 I'll have the session from distance. But that particular one, I slept in. And they had this inaugural session. So I've learned it really doesn't matter. Hmm. When the intention is going there, if the intention is that I have put that intention, the intention that every hour I want to share whatever through me with the whole universe for 12 minutes, that's happened. So once the intention is established, right. it just works automatically. That's right. Yeah. They call that sankalpa in Sanskrit. There's something where, again, you were talking an hour ago about speaking truth. If someone who has that sort of resonance with truth has a sankalpa or an intention, it's going to happen without their conscious intervention once the intention has been set. That's what's happening. So, yeah, every hour from over to 12 minutes after, people can tap into the energy. Of course, that energy is not quite exact the same of the one they come to the session, but it's, you know, as a dilute version of it. But for so many people who are used to it, they, they absorb. It's like a frequency sent out, but... What is received is based on your antenna. If you have a good antenna, you receive a lot. If you have a small antenna, you have parasites. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, there's a reservoir. The amount of water you can draw from it depends on how large the pipe is that you put up to it. Now, a bunch of people sent in questions. So I just want to ask some of these questions that people have 
asked, and uh, we don't have to spend a long time on each one because there are quite a few. Uh, we're doing okay on time. What time is your thing today? Uh, 5.30. 5.30. I can't be that 5.15. I mean, I can be at 5.30. But All right, so we've got another half an hour or so maybe. Okay. So here's some questions. This is from Trish in Phoenix, Arizona. She says, I, how do I know what my healing gifts are and how do I activate them? First of all, you're not in charge of activating anything. When you need to know, it's, it's been activated for you to know it. Many people, they look at energetic healing or whatever as if like anything else you learn, you take a course or something. But it's not that way. For some people, maybe this lifetime is a good time for you to find out. Maybe next lifetime or other lifetime. There's no time really for you to find out. When you're ready for it, you get it. That means ready means not that you can prepare yourself. When you're energetically to a level that you can receive it, you know it and, and you act on it. So in other words, if you have healing gifts... Everybody does. Everybody does. If they are meant to be activated, they will be. Exactly. You don't have to manipulate. That's right. Okay. This is from Edalia in Bogota, Colombia. You said you've been to Bogota. She probably knows you. Abdi, you say you haven't written a book because at present humanity would not understand what you would write in it. And even if we could understand it, it would not be sufficient because the mind always wants to know more. Question is, in the language of your heart, what is the mind and why does it resist the truth? For mind is a part of our nature and it's part of our human reality and it serves us. It's nothing that we have to go against our mind. Now, my mind brought me here today too. It's part of the energy. Mind is part of that energy. It's a fact. Well, yes, it is, but it's beyond that. For different people, their mind serves differently. Some people are totally mental. They need to understand something. Some people, other people don't need to. They don't even use it. I actually have an analytical mind, very much so. For me to have that and not to listen to it, uh, it's a very amazing thing. So the mind is being created for us to have that conversation, to have that dialogue, to have go through this side and the other side. And we have to love our mind, even though it plays tricks on us, even though it does whatever it does. And uh, we all learn not to use it too much. What you're saying then is that we need to be more simple, perhaps, and not over-intellectualize things and not try to figure everything out. Well, what I'm saying, even if we try to figure everything, is okay. We just, you know, you can become the observer of it. I mean, my mind can do whatever it needs to do. I just watch it. With regard to writing a book and you don't want to write one because... Well, because what I say is not necessarily something that people like to hear it. So I don't want to write a book that is not a bestseller. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said Oprah once invited you on her show. If, you, if she would uh, do that again, you'll have a bestseller. <laughs> Here's a question from uh, Jean in Nova Scotia. She says, Our world seems to be ruled by a small handful of people who are in control, no matter which political party is voted in. How do we individually take back our power and collectively break free from the control of this consortium? Or does any of this matter and all will unfold according to divine will? Well, it doesn't matter. The last one is true. But if your nature needs to be participating in something that it doesn't like or fighting against something, that's how... Your nature is, you know, for each person is different. You see, that's the thing. A book, writing a book, you have to have one remedy for everybody, but it's not true. If she thinks that she she needs to fight something, she should. Why not? Yeah, no, that's a good answer. I mean, we need political activists, but if you're not inclined to be one, 
that's okay too. That's your role. Here's one from Amy in Hong Kong. She says, this looks like there's a bunch of questions. I'll ask them one at a time. What role does the sense of self-ego play? Well, I think the major role, <laughs> our reality is, is through our ego. You know, Everything we know is that ego that it knows. So it's a big role. Some teachers talk about you know killing the ego or eliminating the ego or diminishing the ego or you know that kind of thing. Do you think along those lines or? Yes and no, because if you want to kill the ego and diminish it, that means you are in charge. If you kill something very powerful, that means you are more powerful. You still have it. Mm, yeah, good point. <laughs> so now, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I am more of. We are in a process that the ego is being diluted. It's not that we doing it. Is our reality, our, our life, make it to happen? Of course, is it our destination? Before we get there, we might have more ego now to for us to realize that doesn't serve us. But basically, nobody's in charge of their ego. So uh, we don't need to do anything about it except any, any situation, always accept it. Mm-hmm. If you have an ego, a self-ego, you're, you know, accept, say that's the way I am. You mm-hmm. can't fight anything. When you accept anything, it loses its presence. The fight, you give it more power. Makes it more powerful, yeah. How would you define ego? I have my own definition, but how, how would you define it? Different levels of ego. First of all, ego is what creates our human reality. But what ego, she says, is uh, better than others or whatever, everything for a benefit to I mean, me and everything else. You see, you can look at the whole world as the world and I'm part of it, or you and everything else around you. The way you look at the world through that ego of self or through everything. But most people, the reality of 99.999% is itself and everything else around them. Mm. Kind of like what you were talking before about the trees and the animals and all. So it is how we are. And if we are that way, some people, when, when you have what you call compassion, when you have compassion is when you feel that connection, the oneness. So when you have that compassion and that oneness, then you, go, if you feel that connection, then the ego is not powerful. Mm. If you don't have it, the ego becomes powerful. It's nothing you can control and it doesn't have something enough that you can turn it this way or that way. You cannot deal with the ego. All you can deal with is observing the connection. Yeah. Then she asked a question about Ayurveda, but you probably don't know much about Ayurveda, do you? I'd rather not, I'd rather not to answer that one. Yeah. Probably you could answer that bit. Well, actually, she's sort of asking about rising with the sun. In other words, being on a certain routine, enabling us to be more in tune with our spiritual nature. You see, I it, it, everything is good, but... I actually had uh, this somebody, just one of the organizers in, in Fairfield told me that uh, I have a problem with meditation. I said, no, I have a problem with dependency. Everything serves you. Everything does. But when you depend on it, it doesn't serve you anymore. If you want that thing, you don't, you know, you have a problem. I was just thinking this morning about an old friend who, who once said that I can't take a shower too long because, you know, I can't wait to meditate. Just to have to do it. You know, there's this like a dick, heroin addict kind of exactly. quality to so it. Our journey is to realize we don't have a need. We do have need, but it's fulfilled and, and beyond, you know, we don't have to back up for our need. Yeah. Whatever need you have in meditation or whatever else, that is taking you away from that journey. And you yourself don't meditate, haven't had a teacher, anything. It's just yeah. happening. Everything's just happening spontaneously for you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. This might be a good one. Um, does belief play any role in connection to the greater existence of all? No, not at all. But it doesn't really matter what you believe. It doesn't matter, but your connection plays with your belief. Mm-hmm. Your belief doesn't play any role with the connection of existence, but your, your energy plays with your belief. 
It's opposite. So your experience will determine what you believe, not the other way around. Is that what you're no, saying? Not experience. No, no, no. I'm saying exactly what your belief cannot brings deeper connection. Right. But if you a have deeper a connection, can alter your belief system. Yeah. If you have a deeper connection, you'll have a different belief system. That's right. right. Yeah. That's what I meant. Here's one from uh, Trish in Perth, Western Australia. I guess she's speaking to you in particular. What helps you maintain your calmness, your center, or your connection when chaos is all around you? And how can you share how we can integrate this into being present in the moment instead of trying to escape or leave our body? You do have a very calm air about you, despite the fact that you've been traveling for the past 12 hours. So what helps you maintain it? Actually, you know what? I don't maintain calmness. And I'm, sometimes I'm chaotic. I'm not chaotic, actually. Calm, sometimes I'm not calm, and I, I cannot deal with chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, just agitate me but when that happens I'm, I'm okay with it so there's an there's an extra layer of calmness so yeah. to understand it's okay to be chaotic <laughs> to deal with chaos to be agitated it's okay then, then there's another layer of calmness to it like when you're going through a busy airport, you're going through O'Hare, changing planes, and there's crowds of people and all kinds of stuff going on and your plane is late and you might miss your connection and all. how do you feel in a circumstance like that? actually in this situation, it's not chaotic for me. Anytime I'm around people, large group of people, everything is serene no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of people, I had a, something in New York recently, and I told them to me, walking in rainforest and in the middle of Manhattan is the same. Because it just... There's a deep silence. In an airport, that's not a good example. But in situations where you know, my children or, or things that... Uh, individual situations, sometimes I'm acting beyond reason or from a place of mind and disconnection. But that's why every human does it. Sure. So and I'm, I'm not judging myself. If I, do, if I did judge myself, why did I do that? Then I, I won't be in peace. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't, it didn't come to the judgment. It's okay. Many years ago, I used to mention every emotion is okay. Fear is okay. Sadness is okay. But the problem we have is just when we have fear of that emotion, for example, if you have fear of being sad, then that fear becomes a glue that is stuck to you. Yeah. So the problem is fear of the emotion that we have created for us. A fear of the expect through that fear we have expectation to be different. Mm-hmm. If we don't have the expectation, if it's okay to be not calm, and tomorrow we are, and we wait just for that tomorrow, and that from now till tomorrow is one second. If you expect that you should have been calm and you should be calm, that from now till tomorrow is. A year. Yeah, you make the situation worse. There's an old fairy tale called The Princess and the Pin where she was going to get stuck by a pin the next day or something. And she was just like worrying and fretting and fuming, going through all this terrible stuff for, for 24 hours. And finally she got stuck by the pin and she thought, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> I don't know about this, but Trish asks uh, something about an energy shift on the 6th of January that, that happened and what, was, what happened and what does that mean for humanity? Well, you know, I, I just recently wrote a newsletter. I'm not going to go there. It's long and it's not for, for everybody to, okay. to hear. It. All right. I'll have to read your newsletter. Well, <laughs> no. you see, I share newsletter with, with some people Yeah. that don't understand because, they, you know, they, they have gone through certain things. It's just grade one and grade 12. This is the final question. This is from Susie in Tempe, Arizona. How do we utilize our spiritual connection to make the best choices for our lives? That question is against everything I say, so the answer would be your spiritual connection will make the best choices for your life. <laughs> we don't have to do it. You don't have to choose it, it just does it.
we spoke of dimensions in terms of levels of consciousness, higher levels of consciousness. Do you ever use that terminology? Yes, but uh, you see, you are not. You see, the question she asks, as if she's in charge, she can do something about it. Right. You are not in charge of it. You see, we are part of the process. Mm -hmm. And through that process, we go in a higher dimension and then the connection becomes deeper and the the choices become clearer on a lower dimension. And that clarity brings that there's no choice. Right. Well, that's why I asked you that question because I would say, wouldn't you say that we just act according to our level of consciousness? We can't help but do so. Well, that's what it is. Her nature, she's just going to choose what she needs to choose, and the, the consciousness comes yeah. where it needs to come. People sometimes give me a hard time for quoting the Bhagavad Gita all the time, but I just know it really well. There's a verse in it that says, uh, creatures act according to their own nature. What can the restraint accomplish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you see, we are, uh, I always say, for example, because we don't see a benefit in something doesn't mean that that doesn't have a benefit. For example, a scorpion is created because of a reason that we don't know. And we just look at it as a whatever nuisance creature. But it's not that way. Everything is created perfectly and everything we have is what we need to have, including our pain and suffering. It's not a mistake that we have a pain. It's not a mistake that we suffer. It's not a, nothing is a mistake. Everything happened to us, through us, for us, for our evolution, for our higher vibration, for our growth. And also, wouldn't you say that it's natural the way the, the universe seems to be structured in such a way that there are naturally polarities? I mean, we have scorpions and we have butterflies. Mm-hmm. You know, we have sadness and we have happiness. It's hard to imagine a universe in which it was all just one end of the spectrum and not the other. Yeah, well, you see, the universe doesn't have polarity. We have polarity. We interpret it. In exactly. Other, yeah. You see, the, the duality comes from separation. Mm. For example, it's all perception. For example, right now, you are sitting the other side of this flower. Mm-hmm. So you are on the other side. In this system, they have a dual polarity. You are mm-hmm. the other side. If somebody look at the, the ceiling, we are in the same place. And then, in one higher level, we are in this room, and your wife is in another room. Mm-hmm. But if somebody goes farther up, you are in the same house. Right. See, yeah. it depends on how you From a perspective. So, exactly. So on a lower perspective, there is a lot of polarities. Up until 11 dimension, there is polarities. At 12, there's not. No more polarities. That's right. And then you say you don't have to be born anymore. You don't say it. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) Okay. Well, is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to say? Well, I can say many things. I can just... Usually, I love when people ask me questions that I've never answered before, so I learn myself. Did I get any of those today? So So most of it comes from memory. But the last thing I want to share, everything is perfect. What I said was perfect, if correct or not. What I didn't say was perfect too. And when you tap to that perfection, it's only a joy. When everybody tap into their own perfection, the universe is beautiful regardless of what happens in it. And that is not far. Just some roses away. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'm sorry I didn't ask you any questions you'd never been asked before. Maybe no, next no, time. No, maybe no, maybe you did. I don't know, but I huh. didn't. I didn't come up with anything new. <laughs> From time to time, you know, there's, it's the same question comes, and I I tap into some something new come with it, yeah. with the even same question, and sometimes doesn't. It's an interview we're having, but to me, I say a bunch of words, and is it logic somebody needs to hear? Mm-hmm. But to me, it's beyond that. Mm-hmm. I see a dynamic, energetic bubble here. Mm-hmm. What I see is that. Through that bubble, there's billions of cords 
that connect to each person mm-hmm. exactly the way it needs to connect. Mm-hmm. Not one goes to two people. Each person Unique. gets uniquely for what they need to get. Yeah, nice. And even if a lot of this wasn't new for you, it's probably new for 95% of the people listening. You know? That's why I'm here. Good. Well, I really appreciate your being here. You went through a lot of rigmarole to get down here, and um, you have two sessions tonight um, here in Fairfield, which will have happened by the time people see this. And then you have to drive all the way back to Chicago, and then tomorrow night you have San Francisco. San Francisco, then L.A., San Diego, Seattle, Portland, Sedona, Phoenix, Houston, Denver, Sarasota, Miami, Philadelphia, New York, and home. Ten days from now. Well, this this interview will be online before the, all those ten days, and obviously this will be up for years. And people can go to your website, which is abdi.info, a b d y dot info, i n f o. There's a place there that shows what your schedule is and all that stuff. And I guess that's about it. So um, thank you for coming, and thanks to those who have been listening or watching. If this is new to you, this Buddha at the gas pump thing, go to batgap.com where you'll find, I don't know, 330-something previous interviews, maybe more by the time you watch this. They're categorized in various ways under the past interviews menu. There's also an upcoming interviews menu, which shows who's scheduled, place to put in guest suggestions if you'd like to suggest somebody. There's a donate button there, which enables this whole thing to roll along. It's possible to sign up to be notified by email each time a new interview is posted. There's an audio podcast of the show, which um, about as many people listen to as we have YouTube viewers, and uh, some other things. There's even a ringtone of the Batcap theme song for your telephone or your phone if you want. So check it out, and thanks for listening or watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Abdi. Thank great. you, Rick. Really Thank enjoyed this. Me. Same here.